John chapter 4. We are going to be starting in verse 4, and we are going to be taking a journey all the way to verse 27. But I'm going to be reading verses 4 and 5 to begin with, and then we're going to be walking through the scripture tonight. Amen. And he must needs go through Samaria. It's imperative. It's important. It's vital. It is part of the mission of Jesus to go through Samaria. Then come he to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Amen. If we feel comfortable in doing so tonight, can we close our eyes and lift our hands? Can we just begin to speak as a collective? Can we just begin to speak as a body of Christ? Throughout scripture, unity has been powerful events in the Bible. When humanity gets together in unity, things happen, just like on the day of Pentecost, just like the revivals we see in the early church. Begin to lift your voice. We are desiring for God to do something tonight if we believe in one mind, one accord. I want the promise of the Father that was established for tonight. O God of Jacob, O King of Jacob, we are thankful that you are a God that is relentless for us. That you are the God of countless second chances. That you are the God that makes the crooked paths straight. You are the God that makes all things new. That you are the God that loves us in whatever state we find ourselves. That you, God, continue to love us. God, that there's no death, God, no angel, no demon, no scheme of man, God, that could separate us from your love, oh God. Lord, speak to us tonight, God. Lord, catch us on fire. God, breathe on us tonight, God. Let us breathe your air here in this atmosphere tonight, God. And Lord, we desire you. God, we are believing and we are claiming tonight, God, that you move on your sons and your daughters. Speak to us, O ancient one. Speak to us, O ancient of days. And God, we desire you more than anything else tonight. In Jesus' name, can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Amen. I like to preach this particular thought as you may be seated. More than meets the eye. More than meets the eye. And I'm not talking about the animated show that many of us grew up with in the 80s. We are talking about how God works in such hidden ways, in secret ways, in those mysteries, which means those hidden truths. So we are reading the gospel according to John. And We've got to kind of look through the lens of John a little bit different than we do with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Or excuse me, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called the synoptic gospels. And that means seen together in Greek. Matthew, Mark, and Luke discuss the birth of Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, his various ministries, his miracles, and his interactions with the various peoples. And it's three different accounts but of the same events. That's why they're very similar. They're seen together. But John is a special gospel because it focuses on the divinity of Jesus Christ. If you go, I believe, to Sister Phillips' Sunday school room, you see what is called the seven I am statements that are found in the book of John. And that is to reassure and show that he was God manifested in the flesh. Amen. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. And you go to verse 14, and he 
dwelt among us. And he, he was manifested in the flesh and he dwelt among us. Amen. And so we are looking at the book of John, how it is reassuring us that Jesus was God in the flesh. Amen. So Jesus said, I must needs go to Samaria. Why Samaria? Why at all of the regions he went to Samaria. He didn't say, I need to go to Galilee. He didn't say, I need to go to Jerusalem. He didn't say, I need to go to Jericho. I need to go to Samaria. Now, we've heard of the Samaritans before. He spoke of the parable of the, the uh, good Samaritan. And we know in that particular parable, there was a poor man that was beaten by bandits. And he was stripped of all his clothing. He was beaten down. And people just walked by in this person of desperation. Many of them just walked by. Even the religious, the Jewish religious order at the time said this man must have sinned. But it was a good Samaritan that came by, took the man, and paid for that motel room to pay for that inn so they can recover, pay for his doctor bills. Because we need to understand the heart of Samaritan. If we understand the history of Samaria and we understand the history of the Samaritans, we understand why he must needs go through that region. So who were the Samaritans? We read about them. Okay, the Good Samaritan. That's a great parable. It's in our Sunday school classes. But who were the Samaritans? Well, we've got to go back to when Israel was split into two different kingdoms, which was never God's intention. But we know that after Solomon, Israel was split into the north and the south. You had the the kingdom of Israel in the north, and you had the kingdom of Judah in the south. Ten tribes went their own way to the north, and two tribes stayed in Judah with Jerusalem and Judah. We know that according to the book of Kings, there wasn't one good king in Israel. Now, there was, as Pastor and I talked about, there was some that did some decent things. But all in all, their reign was not good. It was not godly. I mean, Elijah tried, Elisha tried, but unfortunately, they were worshiping these false gods And the time came when God sent judgment. And so in 722 B.C., God sent the Assyrians, and they captured the northern kingdom. And they deported them. They put them into captivity. But there was a group of people that were left that that the Assyrians did not want. And these group of people that it wasn't their particular thought. It was the kingdom, the kings that did not want to follow God. There was these group of people that were just left. Can you imagine how it was that you had an identity as a tribe and all of a sudden you completely had everything ripped away from you? Your identity and your purpose. There was no more of these tribes. And these ten tribes that were taken by the Assyrians, they became what is called the lost ten tribes. But what was lost can be found. What was ripped can be restored. The identity that was taken, that was deported, that was exiled, can be restored. So these Jews, the remnants of these northern tribes, they had nobody. So they, they began to marry the various other cultures in the region. And they blended marriage. But their DNA was Jewish. Who they were, were the children of Israel. They were the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But because of intermarriage, their identity was watered down. So we're going to go from 722 to the time of Jesus, to the time of Roman occupation. The Jews hated the Samaritans. 
the northern kingdom, which was Samaria, all these remnants who was the leftover from the ten tribes became the Samaritans. They were a blended group of Jews. Their identity was Jewish, but they were blended in with these other tribes. Can you imagine how they felt? The Jews in Jerusalem wanted nothing to do with them. There was a prejudice against them. They were considered dogs. They literally were considered half-breeds. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the scribes made them perpetual outcasts. They weren't welcome in Jerusalem. They could not worship in the temple. So the Samaritans built their own temple on a mount called Gerizim. And this is where we're going to be getting to our scripture. And I'm laying this foundation. Mount Gerizim, if you remember, there was Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal. Moses, just before they went into the promised land, said, Now, when you take your promise, you're going to come across these two mounts. One is Gerizim and one is Mount Ebal. Gerizim is going to be the Mount of Blessings. Mount Ebal is going to be the Mount of Cursings. They took six tribes and put it on Gerizim, and they recited blessings and let all the people say amen. And then there was six tribes on Ebal and let all the people say amen. They built their own Jewish temple to what they remembered of their former selves on Mount Gerizim, and they worshipped as if it was Jerusalem. They were outcasts. But I'm thankful that there is a God that restores our identity. There is a God that restores who we are. And there's a God that chases us. It says that he came onto his own and his own received him not. He went to the outcasts. He went to the half-breeds. He went to those that were considered trash and dogs. Even the Samaritans considered the Pharisees, Sadducees, and the scribes to just be political leaders and not religious leaders. They said that they had fallen away from truth. Even the Samaritans knew. And that was reassured with the Essenes at the Dead Sea. They called them the sons of darkness. But Jesus knew that there was a heart of a group of people that desired to be no longer the lost tribe, but to be brought in to be given this opportunity. Amen. So this brings us to the fourth chapter of John. Remember, the book of John points out the divinity of Jesus Christ. Man, that is beautiful. So we are going to go to a region that was always considered an outcast because of what they lost. They were literally considered those half-breeds. There's a prejudice against these people. But there was a God that robed himself in flesh to chase what was lost, to chase what was taken. Amen. Man, don't we desire a God that wants that from us? Because his must-needs was more than meets the eye. It was a historical restoration. Amen, of a people that was considered lost. Amen. Now, Jacob's well, verse 6. Now Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, therefore, being weary with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. It was noon. So he arrived in the heat of the day, exhausted, at noon. Amen. In the desert place. Hot. Amen. Now this is going to come to importance here shortly. Verse 7. There cometh the woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said unto her, give me to drink. Wait. Why is a woman in the ancient times in the deserts drawing water in the midst of the heat of the day? In ancient times and in, in the antiquity, you would draw water early in the morning or late at night. 
when you're not cooking in the desert sun. But why is this woman coming out to get water in her community at noon? It's going to come into play shortly here. But Jesus was waiting. Give me a drink. Jesus comes in in the most heated times in our life. And he says, I'm knocking. He says, give me a drink. And he's waiting for that hospitality to restore. He's waiting for the opportunity to restore what was lost, that identity. Amen. And he said, give me a drink. For his disciple, disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. That's interesting because Jews in the Samaritan city to buy meat. That's interesting alone. Remember, they didn't want anything to do with them. They were half-breeds. Thus saith the women of Samaria, uh, Samaria unto him, How is it thou, being a Jew? Wow, that's dumb. he completely just dumbfounded her. You a Jew? Because he would come in with his seat seats. He was Jewish. He would come in with his prayer shawl. And he would come in. Wait, this is a Jew sitting in the midst of the day talking to me? A Samaritan? A half-breed? A dog? I am thankful that God was willing to sit at a well waiting for me. Despite my place in life, Jesus patiently waited. Hi, will you give me drink? Because there was more to that. There was so much more to that question. It was more than meets the eye. Him being in Samaria was more than meets the eye. Amen. You're a Jew asking to drink of me? which am a woman of Samaria, for the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. We explained, right? Because the intermarriage, they were considered half-breeds. Jesus answered, if thou knewest the gift of God, who is it that saith to thee, give me drink? Thou wouldst have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. We know this particular scripture, and he's talking about the spiritual living water that comes with that relationship. This tells me the beauty of it, that God himself robed himself in the flesh as Jesus Christ, as the Yeshua, as a HaMashiach, the Messiah, came to restore what nobody else wanted. And this is the God that we serve, that he goes to the outcasts. He goes to the, out, the downdrawn, the, those that are burdened, those that are broken. Amen. But he waits patiently to restore. That is the God that we serve. If we remember the place we were a decade ago, several years ago, months ago, and the state that we were in, we were the Samaritans. We had that lack of relationship with God, but God waited at the well to give us that living water. Amen. We can never forget that. Who we were before God. We've got to remember when he first told us about the living water. We've got to remember the well, that interaction at the well spiritually that we had with him. Otherwise, we forget who we are and the place that we came from. God works more than meets the eye. If you remember, what did God have to have a conversation with the prophet Samuel about? God looks on the countenance. God looks on the outside. Or excuse me, man looks on the outside. Man looks at countenance. But God looks past the superficial and looks at the heart of the person. Amen. And here was Jesus waiting at the well. Give me water. And only if you knew who was talking to you. And you would have said, give me the living water. And the woman said unto him, sir, that has nothing to draw with. Talking about a bucket or a spoon. For the well, the well is deep. From whence thou hast thou the living water? 
Are thou greater than the father Jacob, which has given us this well, going back to the book of Genesis, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? And Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh this water shall thirst again, talking about the physical well. Amen. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst again. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him with a well of water springing up to everlasting life. What is more than meets the eye is that it wasn't the Jew. It was a Samaritan who was the remnants of a people's past. And he saw the heart of this woman. He saw the heart of the people to come unto him. Because they worshipped on Mount Gerizim, a temple that was not Jerusalem, worshipping with their heart. Worshipping with the best sincerity they have. And God, that got God's attention. And then there was a reality and a truth that was injected into the rationale. I'm thankful that there's a God that chases us no matter our state. No matter how much we've sinned and we're still breathing, God chases us waiting on the well. Because when somebody walks through these doors, no matter their state in, there's more than meets the eye. God is working that invisible hand. God is working in the heart of the individual. Amen. And we need to celebrate God's restoration. He is a God of restoration. He is a God of restoration. And our church is a church of restoration. Amen. Now the woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water, that I thirst not, neither come hither or to draw. Give me the living water. Give me the living water. We've got to remember when God offered us that living water. Now, the question is, why was this woman... Walking around noon. Samaria. Woo, it's hot. It's between Galilee and the Dead Sea. It's hot in the desert. Why? Why was this woman walking around her community on non, at the time that was normally not drawing water? And Jesus said, go call on thy husband and come hither. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands, and whom thou hast now hast is not thy husband, and that saith thou truly. She's had five husbands, and she's living with a man she's not married with, but he still offered the living water. He did not condone that sin. He did not condone that adultery or fornication, because most of the people he encountered, he said, go and sin no more. Amen. That's the thing that's missed in progressive churches today. Is as he loved him, he offered, but you have to repent. But he didn't say, oh, you notice what he offered first? The water. You know who, what he did first was talk to a Samaritan woman when he was a Jewish individual. That he was God robed in the flesh. This living water. Desired the living water. And then let's talk about the repentance. The problem is, is that we, we think so much on the, the countenance of individuals, we don't give them an opportunity to seek the living water. We've got to remember where we were and how God offered us that water. Amen. God is a God of restoration, and we've got to show love just like Jesus did. Amen. And the woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain. And she'd be pointing up to Mount Gerizim in the north, where the temple of the Samaritans were. Mount Ebal was the cursing. Yeah, we got to go to the blessings, not the cursings, the blessings. Amen. 
And so our fathers worshiped in this mountain. And he said that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. But Jesus said, woman, believe me. By the way, he pointed out her sin, but did the conversation stop after the sin was mentioned? No. He is giving that roadmap to, rest, roadmap to restoration. He's giving the roadmap to, for God to make that second chance. He's giving the roadmap for God to make the crooked path straight. He is chasing her. And God chases us, but he desires a hospitality. He knocks, but will anybody open and let him in? Give me, will anybody give me a drink? Because what I offer and God is saying, here I am. I give you all the things that your heart desires. The restoration, the community, the love, the father to the fatherless, whatever it is, to show hospitality and let me in. But his communication with this considered half-breed Samaritan, he continued to show the love. And that is how God is in this sanctuary tonight, is that the things that we've been through, the journey that we've been through, the stories that we've been through, God chases us on the well when people consider us just dogs. Amen. But that is the God that we serve. And the woman said, believe me, the hour, or Jesus said unto the woman, believe me, the hour cometh when you shall neither worship this mountain or in Jerusalem, worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what, but know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, the hour cometh, where it's, it's not your social economic status, Right? It's not how much money is in the bank account. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter the sins that you've had in your life because God could wash it away. It doesn't matter how broken you are. It doesn't matter what anybody considers you. It doesn't matter if you're beaten on the side of the road and they walk by and say, this person must have sinned. There will be a time, amen. There will be a time, woman of Samaria, where I will make all things new. You shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. Yes, even what is considered the half-breed, even what is considered the unloved, even somebody at this state is the adulteress or the fornicator. I love them and I want them to repent so I can take them in and restore and to repair the breaches in the wall. Amen. It is a beautiful thing and a beautiful heart of God to seek those that are unloved, to seek the outcast, to seek the publican, to even seek the tax collector. What people don't love, what people cast out, God chases. And we are a church of restoration. We are a church of restoration. Amen. Now the woman said unto him, I know that the Messiah or the Messiah cometh, or the HaMashiach in Hebrew, right? The, the, the Messiah, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. So they knew the Messiah was coming can you imagine this woman that was living in sin, an outcast in her own community of outcasts? She had the double jeopardy of being considered unloved. Now, some Samaritans had multiple spouses, but she was living in sin. She was going to the heat of the day because of the shame from her community towards her. But Jesus waited. Many of us, we avoid our community because we think that there's no redemption. She wanted to avoid the gleaming eyes of the fellow women in her community or what people may say about her. That she had the double jeopardy. And many of us, 
we put ourselves in this place, that we avoid the community that God has given us, that we somehow feel that we're not worthy of that restoration, that we're not worthy of that well. But I'm here to tell you that Jesus will chase you to whatever well you draw your water. Amen. So they knew of the Messiah to come and to make all things new, to establish his kingdom. Amen. I love this. And Jesus said unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. I'm the Messiah you've been praying for. I'm the HaMashiach. Before Abraham, I was. Before you were broken up, I was. I knew your name. I knew you when you were conceived in your mother's womb. You are precious to me. And many of us have to remember today that there is a God that has loved us before time. There's a God that loved us on the cross. And there is a God that will chase us unto restoration. Amen. But stop avoiding your community. I'm here to tell you tonight that you are loved and you are part of this church. That you are part of this collective. And you are part of this community. Amen. The living water is ready to pour out onto you tonight. Amen. God makes all things new. And upon this came the disciples. Oh, the disciples. And the, I love this part, Pastor. I love this part. And we've, we've got to remember this part because if we're not careful, we set people up for failure. Upon this, here came the disciples buying Samaritan meat, which is kind of interesting to me anyway. And they marveled. Man, they were in wonder. They were dumbfounded. They were aghast. They were shocked that Jesus was speaking to a Samaritan. They marveled that he talked with this woman. Ooh, I'm sure they heard the rumors from the meat market about the woman at the well at noon. But Jesus didn't care about the rumors. He saw past everything to look at that heart. But look what it said. They marveled, yet no man said. No man spoke. No person ran their mouth. No person questioned what God was doing in an individual's life of restoration. No man said, what seekest thou? Why are you even seeking after this woman? And we know that the, the disciples have been rebuked by Jesus a few times questioning his actions. Because they didn't realize that there was more than meets the eye. We've got to remember this, church. Even though we may be marveled in our heart, we, we can't say anything. Because there's more than meets the eye. And you don't know the journey of the individual. You don't know what God is doing at the well. You don't know the living water that's being offered. Because if we begin to say, why seekest thou? Then we begin to hinder what God is doing more than meets the eye. Amen. It hinders that restoration. It hinders that healing. It hinders what God is doing in that person's heart. And then they didn't even say, why, why talkest thou with her? Praise God they didn't say anything. Can you imagine how it would have been to this woman that was already beat down? Already in her shame. But God demonstrated. Jesus himself talked to this woman, loved this woman, gave an opportunity to this woman. And God tonight is telling us that he is at the well waiting for you. Now the woman that was shown love. Man, when you show somebody that they're valuable and that they are loved, man, there's an excitement. There's a revival within their hearts. When God restores, there's a revival within their heart. The woman stopped with the water. She's like, oh, wait, forget the water that I draw. I want the living water. So she dropped her water pot, and she, sp and she spoke to the Samaritans. 
She ran to her neighbors. She ran to those that talked about her. Let me tell you, the Messiah is down at this well. The Hamashiach that we've heard from our fathers is at the well. Can you imagine what we would do when we encourage somebody to come back to God? What it could do for our community? And even if we marvel in our mind, we've got to keep it in our mind. But don't let it seep into our hearts. Because we don't give an opportunity for God to move. It hinders it. The disciples were wise not to say a word. They've said some other words. But look what they did. She went in, she spoke to the community, and Jesus ministered to the Samaritans. He spoke to a group that was lost. He brought them back to the family. And that is what God wants to do for us tonight. And to remind us, amen. And Jesus, and I'm going to end with this. It's in verse 35. I didn't give it to them, but it's the, the latter part of that verse. Lift your eyes and look onto the fields, for they are white, all ready to harvest. We are to be the fishers of men. We believe in a God of restoration. Even though we might marvel at who God brings to these doors, we can't say anything. We've got to remember our well experience. And somebody tonight needs to remember and needs to realize that Jesus is waiting at your well. Despite that you may be a Samaritan, despite your past, despite what was lost, God is ready to restore here tonight. Amen. If we feel comfortable in doing so, can we stand to our feet this evening? And I pray that these words in the scripture minister to you to be reminded of the God of restoration. Can we close our eyes tonight? And many of us are like that woman that we are walking around in our shame. We're walking around because of the perspective, the perspective of others. It does not matter. Jesus is at your well. Many of us are longing for the love just like that woman. Many of us have put ourselves in the place of the Samaritans when we are the outcast. Can we begin to close our eyes and lift our hands tonight? Can we begin to lift our voice as a people that was born in restoration? A people that were born of water and of spirit that God gave new life, that we are new creatures and all things have passed away. Hence, he's made all things new. We thank you, God, that you continuously, God, would relentlessly chase us. God, just to be with us, just to bring us into the shadow of thy wings. God, just to bring us, God, as the apple of your eye. And I pray for the individuals, God, that consider themselves the outcasts. God, that consider themselves the Samaritans, God, dogs. God, remind them, God, that they are fearfully and wonderfully made. And God, nothing is too far gone. God, there is nothing, God, that is too hard for you. God, speak to your children tonight. God, speak to your people. And God, let there be restoration in the house. God, I pray for our hearts, as Pastor was talking about, the condition of the heart. God, mold our hearts, break our hearts. God, do our heart, God, that emulates your love, your compassion, your faithfulness. God, and we promote restoration, God, because if I am to be, if you are the light, God, then I've got to be the light. God, you are the light of restoration. God, we speak love into this atmosphere, God. We speak restoration into this atmosphere, the God that makes all things new. In Jesus' name. Amen.